When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, it's Chris from My Rock and Roll Heaven on Boom Radio, and you are listening to the ultimate rock community podcast, The Hook Rocks with Jay Scott. If you love rock music and talking rock as much as I do, then you're definitely going to love Jay's podcast. Check him out on Twitter, The Hook Rocks, and across all of your favorite music streaming platforms. Everybody, once again, it is a new episode of the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Scott. Welcome aboard. Hope you're doing well, staying safe, and staying healthy. Craziness going on with the coronavirus right now all over the country. It's like one big hot spot. So hopefully, we're able to make it through this and, and see each other on the other side of this. And hopefully, you know, the new year brings in some good news. And we can put all this behind us, but uh, it's still kind of a very uh, touchy time right now. We kind of just don't know where this is going to go. There is good news with a vaccine, depending on how you feel about it, it's good news, or a lot of people are weary about it, but you know, hopefully we get some light here at the end of the tunnel soon so we can move on, so we can start going to see live shows and enjoying live rock music like all of us love to do. I know I'm looking forward to it. I haven't been to a show since November of 2019. And I'd like to welcome in our next guest who has a brand new album out this past year. And that is Nick Perry from the band Nick Perry and the Underground Thieves. The album is Sun Via. What's going on, Nick? How you doing? Hey, man. I'm, I'm overall well. Thank you for asking and thank you for having me. I appreciate it. I'm excited about this interview because I really get a chance to get to know you. I've really enjoyed the music. There's so many elements on this album and so many influences that it's almost like it's a celebration of music. Wow. Well, I really appreciate that. You know, that's so cool that you just said that. I feel like in in a lot of ways that, that you are right. I mean, from my perspective, it is a celebration of music. It's a celebration of everything that I love, everything that has inspired me has kind of all been mixed in kind of one big melting pot and put forth as this record. And, and I don't know how many people out there know my story and know my history, but I've been making music for a long time since I was a kid. I got signed when I was 16 years old. I've been in various bands 
over the years. And there's always been some element of what I call artistic compromise. And, and that's, that's natural when you're in a collaborative process, you're in a band, you're in a democracy. Uh, and, and that's not to say that this band isn't collaborative. My bandmates and I are very collaborative, but we're all kind of unified under, under one vision. And, uh, for the first time ever, I was really able to put down a collection of songs that were really inspiring to me and that really make up my DNA, which is, you know, a little bit of this and a little bit of that, but I think it all falls under the roof of, of, of good rock and roll music. You know, I certainly have a varied and eclectic taste of, of music, whether it's Southern California stuff or stuff that came out of England, you know, blues, blues rock and psychedelia and, you know, all kind of stuff. So, um, anyway, it was, it was a real celebration for me and it was a big moment for me after all these years to put forth a, you know, finally a record under my own name. So I worked hard on it. The record took two and a half years to make and we wrote 30 some songs. You're hearing the first 10 now, but uh, I'm very proud of it. Very proud of the, the work and the, the song and, and the sound. Yeah, it is. It's an amazing record. Like you said, you know, there's so many influences that you touch on in so many styles of music you know, I've listened to it several times, you know, and, it, and I'm driving around listening to it and I'm hearing, you know, the blues that you mentioned. I know there's some elements of like some Sly and the Family Stone and there's some, you know, Pink Floyd psychedelic stuff. And I'm like, wow, this is like really, like I said, you know, like a celebration. This is really no limits to what you want to do and what you want to accomplish. Don't put any boundaries on the type of music that you want to play and produce for an album. And there's really not a lot of albums that do that because usually albums follow a theme and there's nothing wrong with that, right? I mean, it's just, that's how most albums are. But I was really appreciative that this doesn't really follow a theme. Well, maybe it does follow a theme. And that, like I said, and I keep repeating it, it's celebrating music. Well, again, I, I love those. <laughs> you're making me smile. I love those words. You know, I do think... Um, you know, I've, I've, I've talked to some people and, and, and it's hard for me to hear this because I'm me, but I, I think that one common thread that someone had, has pointed out on multiple occasions is, is the sound of my guitar playing. And, and regardless of the context of what the song is and what the sounds are and what the, what the feel of this, of the song may be that per- perhaps one unifying element is just the way that I approach the instrument and the way that I play it again, it's hard for you to identify your own signature, you know what I mean? But, but I do think that there's something to that. And, um, somehow it always just ends up feeling like all my songs end up feeling like me, you know what I mean? But, uh, I, you know, I, like I said, I have an eclectic taste. I wake up, I, I listen to vinyl records every day. I put on vinyl records for my daughter every day. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, it's not all exclusively old stuff, although a lot of it's from the 60s and 70s, but there's a lot of great new modern artists that I love as well. And, you know, I think in the writing process, some of this stuff just seeps out. And, you know, if, if you're doing it the right way, you're, you're taking the elements of all the stuff that you love and you're presenting it in a new way, you know? So that's what I try to do. And, and, uh, I try not to be too conscious about it. It's just, I'm, I, I get an idea. I, lay the idea down, I demo it, and then I move on, I get, and I go to the next idea, and then, you know, I 
look back and go, okay, here are the ideas that make sense. These are the best ones. Do these all work together? And I know it's a bit of a mixed bag on the record, but I do feel like they all do and they all can live in the same space, you know? We got lots to cover with the album and what you're doing now. We always ask the same first question every time we have a first-time guest on the show, and that is the essence of the podcast, The Hook Rocks. Just like every rock song has a, a, a moment when it sucks you in, it pulls you in, every rock fan has a moment when, whether it's a band, an album, a song, or performance that hooked them on rock and roll. What was it for you? Well, I remember that's a, that's a great question. I remember it very distinctly. Um, I, I grew up in a very conservative Catholic household. I went to an all boys school with a shirt and tie and the whole thing. And I didn't even I didn't even really know what rock and roll was at a young age. But I remember uh, when I was maybe eleven years old. Uh, must have been when I was eleven because I, I started playing guitar at twelve. So uh, my aunt had come over and. and she'd given me two albums on cassette tape. One was Highway to Hell by ACDC, and the other one was Pearl Jam 10, their first album. This is in the 90s. And, um, you know, I, I remember, I, I don't actually remember, oddly enough, which one I put in first. I just, I remember that I, I digested both of those records and my life was never the same. When I heard the sound that an electric guitar could make, because I didn't know an electric guitar could sound that way. You know what I mean? I just didn't know. Mm-hmm. So then I was like, oh, okay. That's what I want to do. That's what I have to do. And it was literally from that moment on, like that shaped my whole life. I've never, ever even contemplated doing anything else other than playing guitar and writing songs and, and, and being an artist. Like that's just, it was just a given from that moment on. Where did it go from there? I mean, you mentioned these two iconic albums. You mentioned the electric guitar. You know, soon after that, you began playing guitar. You know, was there an influence to pick up the guitar? Was there a, a, a certain guitar player or two that made you want to play? Well, to be honest with you, after I heard those two records, I started digesting at lightning speed every rock and roll band I could get my hands on. Like literally it was all new. So Zeppelin and Pink Floyd and the Beatles and the Stones and the Who and, you know, the Eagles and uh, Jimi Hendrix and Johnny Winter and all the blues guys. Like I, it was just all happening. I was, I was discovering it and having my mind blown on a daily basis. And between the ages of 12 and 16, I mean, I, I, you know, it was an unbelievable four years of just consuming and learning. And, you know, there was no YouTube back then. It was just like I was learning how to play from... I, I, I took lessons for a very short time. I didn't stick with it because I really just wanted to rock. I didn't want to learn, you know, Mary Had a Little Lamb and stuff like that. So, um, you know, I learned the basic chords and then I just started listening to vinyl and, and uh, learning learning off someone had given me a record player and I, you know, figure out how to move the needle and listen to the same part twice, three times, 10 times and learn how to play it. But from an early age, I had a good ear and I could hear something and then play it. And so I just was learning how, how to write songs, how other bands were doing it, how to make sounds. And, and I started writing my own songs and it started playing in my own band. And then, you know, by age 16, we got signed by Clive Davis and, 
and I call it joining the circus. You know, the name of the band, by the way, was called Silver Tide. And we, uh, we had quite a run. Yeah, we had quite a run. So, you know, I toured the world with all my heroes and, uh, you know, one minute I'm in high school and the next minute I'm on tour in Japan. It was just, it was a crazy whirlwind experience. And in some ways I'm still, I'm still reeling from it and I'm still in the circuit. You know, I, I never stopped. I never did anything else. I never quit. I never really took a break. I just have always just been chasing this thing, uh, chasing the news and wanting to make music for a living. And, and I've been through various bands and various eras of my own life and career, but, but it, it felt like all roads were leading to this one, which is just that I don't have to, you know, I, I, can, I can write and sing the songs I want to do now. I don't need permission from anybody. I don't need the singer in the band. Because at that time, I was playing guitar. I mean, I, I had a whole, I've always sang songs, but I was in bands with like really unbelievable singers. So there was no need for me to sing. Um, so, uh, but you know, in that dynamic, there is compromise, you know? And now there's no more, there's no more of that. I just, I can write a song record the song, sing the song and put it out and go tour and sing my own song. So it's, it's really been like the greatest freedom in the world. Uh, so I'm, it's still something that hasn't worn off. The shine is, is very, very bright still. So I'm, I'm really loving this moment in time and finally getting to do it my way. With that, with that freedom, you know, becomes, there's a lot of vulnerability with that freedom, right? I mean, prior to you releasing, you know, and becoming Nick Perry and the Underground Thieves, you were in the band Silver Tide. You did other projects where, you know, you, like you mentioned, you had to compromise. You had to kind of be part of the team. And now you're, you're leading the team, right? It's your band. Um, you know, yeah. with that freedom that you mentioned, is, is, is there a, a sense of being vulnerable that, you know, you know with, with, with the confidence you have as an artist about, having your own band and doing your own thing. <laughs> For sure. And anybody who says there, there's not is full of shit. You know, uh, there's absolutely, you know, I mean, look, I think all human beings to an extent, but for sure artists are, are an insecure bunch. You know, uh, I mean, there are, there are areas of my life and, and what I do and my skill set that I'm extremely confident in, but, you know, there's other areas that are that are vulnerable, and you know, when you step up to the microphone to sing, I think that's just about as naked as you can get. You know what I mean? I, I mean, really, sometimes it makes me wonder, like, why am I doing this again? Like, you know, it's very nerve wracking, but ultimately, it's the only way forward for me. So I just had to just turn off the part of the brain that oh wants to overthink and analyze and be critical and and just go with what I know I'm capable of and, and what I know my purpose is. And that's to continue to write songs and share songs. And this is the only context in which it's happening at this point in my life. Cause I'm not willing to compromise in those ways. Life is about compromise in any relationship. So it's not like there's going to be zero, but there's certain I've been burned in certain ways that I don't want to be burned again. So it's about learning from those mistakes and, and really grabbing the bull by the horns and going like, look, this is me. It might not be everybody's cup of tea, and that's fine. There's plenty of music out there for someone to like something. But if, if people are liking what they're hearing, 
I'm very grateful and very grateful to have them, you know, on board for the journey because it is a journey and it is the beginning of the journey. And I'm looking at this like this is, you know, the next 20, 30 years of my life is going to be under this context. So it's the beginning in so many ways. And although I started so young, you know, um, and I've been doing it for a while, but I started so young, I'm still a young guy. So it's like, I've got, hopefully, you know, I still have a full tank. (laughs) I would like to think I do. Absolutely. So how did the the Nick Perry and the Underground Thieves become what they are? How did it all start? Well, it all started, well, I was in a band. I I was, was, it was actually, in a lot of ways, my band. It was called Mount Holly, but I was not the singer. But I was the driving force and the driving creative force. As really, I've been in in every one of my bands, uh, and that's not ego. It's just that's just what it is. I'm I'm that personality. I'm I'm the I'm the whatever the type A, you know, visionary guy who's who's just I've got the I've got the vision, I guess you could say. So, but but that and it was a great band, and I loved the band, and I loved everybody involved. But there was really some bummer things that happened along our journey, and things with our record label got really screwed up and the record was hijacked and it was put on the shelf for two years. It was a a creative nightmare, uh, artistic nightmare. And things just started falling apart at the seams. And I just said, man, I can't do this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore in this way. So when that band ended and we decided to break up the band so we could get free of the contract and the whole thing, it was just a nightmare. Like I said, but, you know, on the other end of that, I immediately, because I had songs, I had songs written, songs demoed, songs that I was already singing and working on behind the scenes just for my own enjoyment. And so I think it was within one month of that other band breaking up, I had booked studio time at Sunset Sound in LA and I started the process of making this record. And under the context of just wanting to do it for the love of music, I didn't have any booking agent. I didn't have a manager. I didn't have a label. I didn't have anything other than uh, the idea of that. I just wanted it to be really pure and really about the music. And I thought all that other stuff would come if the music was right. So I started, you know, recording songs and uh, ultimately, you know, asked basically my best friends from Philadelphia, from home where I grew up and, I was like, you know, do you want to go on this adventure with me? Because I wanted it to be a return to a lot of things that were pure in my life um, from when I was young and, and, and the people I grew up with and started making music with when I was a teenager, you know, they're still some of my best friends and they're still some of the most talented guys I know. And I wanted it to be, I wanted this project to involve and, and be driven by, you know, our mutual love of music and love of each other. So, um, you know, once the dots were connected, it was basically just get to work. So basically spent two and a half years, you know, getting in the studio in various places, uh, both in California and on the East coast. Cause I married a California girl and was in it. I was living in California at the time. I'm back East now. Uh, but I was doing a bi-coastal thing for a while and, you know, we were just putting this together as best we could 
you know, in the best way that we knew how, you know? Um, and like I said, it was a long process, but over the course of those two and a half years, we recorded a lot of great songs. I made the connections I needed to make behind the scenes and we got everything in, in gear to release what, what you're hearing now. So it's been a, an unbelievable task. I mean, no part of it was easy. And in fact, most of it was a challenge, but what else am I doing? Like, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> so if it's not this, you know, then, then, then what? So I, I am excited about it and I welcome the challenges and, you know, I'm grateful that the response to the record seems to be as overwhelmingly wonderful as it has been. So, Was there ever a moment when you were going through all this and developing, you know, the, the new band that you are in now and that you lead? Was there ever a moment where you were doubting yourself? Like, did I make the right choice? Did I do the right thing? Constantly. <laughs> constantly. Uh, constantly. Yeah. That, well, that's what I'm talking about kind of harkening back to your question about vulnerability I mean, yeah all the time I, but I think that every artist goes through that you know what I mean I, I, I can't imagine that there's a situation where any artist in the world is like about to put something out does it have some doubt you know it, it, even if it's crazy I mean you know if, I, I would reckon that even the members of Pink Floyd before they put Dark Side of the Moon out were wondering like is this the greatest album ever or is this shit because that's what all artists do you know, and of course, it's one of the greatest albums ever. But, you know, for the people who create it, we're always, we're always questioning and doubting. But, but you have to weigh the pros versus the cons. And is, do you think it's even a little bit more better than, than not? And if the answer is yes, then of course you have to carry on. So through, through the doubt, you also have to, you know, like I said about the confidence, there's a part of that there too. Like, okay, you know, you just hope that that outweighs the other. You know, and so right before we put this album out, I, 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 I knew it was good. Of course, I'm always doubting and going like, is it going to reach anybody? Does anybody care? You know, why am I doing, <laughs> why am I doing this? But ultimately, you know, I was confident in it. And I thought, you know what? These are great songs and that it's produced and recorded. Well, I did it myself. I know it's done the right way. So freaking years, but I know it sounds great and it, and it holds up. You know, I listened to it on vinyl for the first time and I, I cried. I'll, I'll be honest with you. I was very proud of it. it a 20-year journey to get here, you know. So I'm, I'm proud of the work. I know it's good. But at the same time, you know, I still wake up every day and go like, am I doing the right thing? And you just hope that you are, you know. Yeah, I imagine it's a, it's a very tough spot to be in um, with a lot of upside, right, with a lot of reward because – here you are vulnerable about going out on your own and starting your own band. And then you're making music, you're writing music, which, you know, you're connecting with, you know, thoughts that you've had or inspiration that you had to write those lyrics down on paper to write the music. So there's, so there's, on one side, you know, you're, you're worried about, you know, is this, is this band that I, am I doing the right thing with this band? And then you've got the music part. Well, people like the music. That seems like it's a, a lot to put on someone's plate, you know, emotionally, you know, and, what were the, some of the things that you were able to to kind of hold on to to kind of help drive you through this? Well, another great question. Thank you. Um, I guess the thing that, that held me through was just my undying love of music. Like, I'm still a fan. 
I'm still the biggest music fan I know. Like I listen to vinyl. I listen in the car. Of course, I'm listening to, you know, Spotify or whatever. You know, I don't have a turntable in my car, although that would be awesome. Um, but I, I listen to music constantly and I'm so inspired by it. And I, I want to reciprocate that. I want, and that's always been the thing is like, if I can, it's like the reciprocal circle of life. If I can make even one person out there feel as inspired as I felt by listening to my favorite music, then it, then it becomes worth it. And I, I mean, you know, there's a lot of blessings and curses that come with social media, but I'm very engaged in that world. And I have a, decent pulse on on what i think is you know connecting and not connecting and i i know how excited people were for the music they were following the process uh, you know i i read the comments i get the messages i know there are people out there who were really excited about it and you know i kept thinking about those people and and you know i i have to see this through at the very least i have to see this through and give them the record and if not for me do it for them you know and so i guess that was maybe one possible guiding light as well and and like i said my love of music I, like what else would i be doing if not this so i have to do it i have to finish it i have to put it out i have to keep going that's the that's the mo you know and even now it's like you know i was talking today about album two it's like I, I have to keep going i'm writing songs every day like it's not even a question it's just like i have to keep going what else would i do as far as, you know, keeping going and, and, and being at this point in your life and all the previous bands that you were in, the previous projects, do you think the album would have been what it is if you hadn't experienced everything that came before? Absolutely no. There'd be no way possible it would be what it is or I would be who I am or I would be able to sing these songs and tell the stories I'm telling if all the stuff good bad and ugly hadn't happened it all it's all connected you know and the irony is that you never see it really when it's happening it's only after the fact that you go like oh yeah that's why that happened you know and that's why this happened and this led to this but uh you know the truth is every project I've been in you know I always think like this is the one this is the one that's going to you know, connect and, and take me where I want to go. You have to believe that because it's too hard. If you don't believe that with all your fire, you know, with every fiber of your being, you have to believe it for real, you know? So I think we're, we're all thinking that this is the one, this is the one, this is the one. And, and that's what's required. It's just part of what we do or else we wouldn't be able to put the time in. There's no way. Cause it requires, thousands and thousands and maybe tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of hours of, of work and dedication and sleepless nights and, you know, all kind of stuff that is just most people wouldn't, would never even comprehend to be able to bring a piece of art forward with so many moving parts and so many, you know, little things that you, you know, if you hear a song and you're like, cool, that's a great song, but you know, there could have been, weeks, months, years of work. There's a song on the album that's 13 years old. I can't even begin to tell someone how long I worked on that song for 13 years. It's painful. You know what I mean? So you just don't even bring it up. But I'm telling you, there's a song on the album that's 13 years old. 
you know the truth what song is that it's called daughters and sons you know that's my son's favorite song actually um really yeah yeah i have a my my 15 year old son loves rock and roll loves music plays guitar he's like i mentioned you you know like i talked you said to you in the beginning he's the one that turned me on to you he's like you gotta listen to nick perry it's great it's great He's like, listen to the song, you know, Daughters and Sons. It's like the best track on the album. And he loved it. So I, I think it's a great song. Oh, that's so cool. Well, yeah. tell him thank you. I do appreciate it. Yeah, that song's been around a long time. It's a special song to me. And regardless of whether people like it or not, it's special to me. And I'm, I'm proud to have finally put it out. Um, and that's the thing with this. It's like, you know, as artists, sometimes we do things for ourselves. Um and sometimes, you know, there's more thought and sometimes, I don't know. It's, it's, it, this is a crazy life. I don't know how else to, to describe it. But I think the one thing, the one guiding principle is just like, if, if it has to start making you feel something. Because if it doesn't make, if you're the creator and it's not moving you in some way and it's not exciting you, then you're already lost. You know, like the whole idea of recording something or writing something or doing something for someone else makes no sense. I don't understand how songwriters can like, all right, we're going to, we're going to write a hit song today. That's going to make this demographic really happy. You know, like I, I, I don't, my brain doesn't work that way. I, you know, I'm going to write a song that makes me happy. That makes me excited. That makes me inspired. That has to happen first or else if it, it'll never get past the gate. No one will ever hear it. If I don't love it, it doesn't mean something to me. If I'm not excited by it. You know, so, so, you know, different strokes for different folks. Maybe people do it a different way, but for me, that's the only way. When you are, you know, writing songs and, you know, you're, you're working them out, however you work them out. Do you have like a, um, you, like I said, you know, there's so many different elements on this album. Do you focus on, you know, writing a song that has these influences or writing a song that has, you know, this influence, or do you just come out the way you hear, the way you want to hear it and the way, what you want to do with it? Yes. It's the first thing you said. Definitely. I've never written a song in my life because it has this sound, this influence or never once. It's just always, I write whatever just comes out. It's like turning on a spigot. You're not sure except this, it <laughs> you're not sure what's going to come out you just turn it on anyway and for me it's you just turn it on and and you know for every one song that the general public hears there's probably easily 50 they don't you know i'm writing all the time all the time all the time and you know i i, I like to think that maybe at this point in my life with my skill set and my songwriting ability Whereas when I started, maybe it was one in a hundred songs, you know, was, was a great song. I'd like to think it's, it's now maybe one in 10, you know, but it's like you always are writing and writing and writing to try to get those, those universal ideas that, that are, that mean something to you and can potentially mean something to someone else as well. And, and a song that just, you know, makes you feel something and makes someone else feel something. So, uh, to me, th- those are the important things way before style and, and genre and influence and how it sounds and all that stuff comes later. It's like, is the core of the idea is this, is the, is what the core of the song is, 
is it exciting? Is it inspiring? And is it authentic? Explanation point. Is it freaking authentic? Who I am and what I want to say as an artist. And if it passes all the criteria, then it goes in a certain pile and then you move on to the next one and you move on to the next one. Like I was saying earlier, and then you look back and go, okay, here's a collection of songs. Let's start to do some demos. Let's start to see how they sound more polished and more fleshed out. And then do these songs fit together? You know, there are songs that we recorded, plenty of songs for this album that did not make it, not because they weren't great songs, but maybe they didn't fit in as well with the songs on this album. So maybe you're going to hear some of them on album two, maybe album five, maybe never at all. You know, you just, you just never know. But uh, for me, it's just about capturing whenever the inspiration happens, I want to just capture it and get it down and worry about how it fits into the whole later. I just want to get it down for what it is, you know, and you know, I've written reggae songs, I've written pop songs, I've written rock songs, I've written all kind of songs in between. And I, I try not to judge them until they're done. And, um, and then say, you know, does this make sense for what it is I'm doing in my life right now? And if it does, then it, then it stays with me. And if it doesn't, you know, then it does, then, then it goes away or I give it to someone else. Yeah. A lot of artists are always trying to stretch themselves, right. And, and trying to evolve. And a lot of times audiences don't like it when their favorite artists try to evolve or try to do something different because, you know, it's, it's outside the box. And, you know, I think the, I think the only band that, you know, really kind of produces the same amount of music over and over again, and the audience is always happy is ACDC. But not everybody is ACDC. And one of the things that I really appreciate about this record is you almost hear your evolution from the first song to the last song and growing and kind of stretching yourself and evolving as the music is being played. And I think that's really interesting because I mentioned in the beginning that most people have a theme of what they kind of want to accomplish for a record. And with this being kind of that celebration that we talked about, I think it allows you to, from song to song, kind of push the boundary of you as an artist. Well, thanks, man. I, I, you know, eloquent. Um, maybe you need to like, write the band's biography. <laughs> um <laughs> That was so nice. Yeah, I mean, I guess so. And and when you said that, it had me thinking immediately, like, okay, feeling good all the way to white noise. Like, yeah, I can see that. I mean, feeling good is for sure the simplest straight ahead you know, song on the album, and white noise, which closes the album, is certainly the most involved and the most winding and, uh, you know, uh, intense sonic journey of the record. Maybe on some subconscious level, you know, that, that happens. Uh, which is really cool. I never thought about it that way, but that's that's really cool that you said that. Yeah, because I've interviewed artists, you know, over the over this you know last couple of years, and you know, one of the guys that's been on the show a few times is George Lynch, and you know he you know always talks about people wanting him to write a Dawkins song now in 2020, and he's like, I can't write a Dawkins song right now because I'm not that same person. You know, I've evolved. We all evolve as people. And that's what, you know, I really picked up on. You know, when you listen to Feeling Good and then you go into I Want You, you know, Feeling's Good has got this, you know, bluesy feel, bluesy vibe to it. And I Want You is very Beatles-esque type of melody. And, you know, it just moves forward 
as the album moves forward, everything is different. You know, and we mentioned, you know, talked about the, the Sly and the Family Stone influence and the Pink Floyd psychedelic stuff. It, it's, it's really cool that you're able to really kind of seamlessly fuse all that stuff together and show the growth. I mean, you mentioned the, uh, the one song written 13 years ago. I imagine that song's been through a lot of changes and a lot of development as you've grown as an artist. And here you are putting it all down on one album. It's it's really it's exciting to hear that because not a lot of artists have the balls to do that. Well, thanks uh, again. I really appreciate that. I, I I to be honest with you, I never really even. I mean, I guess now because I'm, I'm impressed for the album, it, and and that's come up the eclecticity, if that's a word, of the album. Uh, but while I was putting it together, it never really dawned on. I just thought, oh, this is, because again, they, to me, they just sound like my song. So, you know, uh, yeah, why not that this works with this and this works with this? But I guess trying to step outside of my own box for a moment to look in, um, I guess you're right. And, and in a lot of ways, that, that makes sense. But for me, it would be inauthentic, which is like a big no-no for me. Um to, to only stay in one thing. Like I couldn't do a record of 10 feeling good. I'd be so bored out of my mind. I mean, I love feeling good. It's a, it's a simple song. It's a catchy song. It's a song that's turned a lot of people on to my band. It did well on the radio this year. And I'm grateful for that, but it's, it, it has its place, but you know, I want you fall, you know, Everybody wants one. Daughters and sons, like you said, like all these other songs are so important to me. They're, I, I, it would be inauthentic to just do one to do to give one side of this thing. Like this project is amalgamation of all the things that I love, and it has to be because I'm the driving creative force. It has to be, you know. So uh, it would be inauthentic if that makes sense. So I'm just doing what comes natural to me and not try, trying not to overthink it. You know, I mean, obviously I'm not going to put, I'm not going to make a jazz record and try to like cram that down people's throats after a record like this. Like that wouldn't make sense. And that wouldn't be authentic to me either. But I think as long as it falls under the umbrella of good music, rock and roll music, you know, I think Simon and Garfunkel is rock and roll. I think rock and roll is less about a genre and more about an attitude. That's, what rock and roll is to me. It's an attitude. I think Simon and Garfunkel is equally as rock and roll as Guns N' Roses, as the Beatles, as, you know, insert whoever. Like, it's all rock and roll to me. You know, it's about the attitude and it's about the quality and the way it makes you feel. And it's all, there's all an element there that's connected in some way. As long as it falls under that umbrella, then it makes sense. I, and if not, screw it. I'm going to keep doing it this way because <laughs> it's what I want to do. So I'm just going to keep doing what I want to do and hope that that translates. You know. Do you think the attitude in rock music is missing these days? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I don't want to throw anybody under the bus, but attitude doesn't have to F middle finger. You know what I mean? Although it can be. And it's awesome when it is, but I think attitude is a, is a, it's a spirit 
it's a it's a freedom. It's like one do things your own way and be an individual and be, you know, just have your own voice. That's rock and roll. You know, I think the homogenation of music, I don't want to throw anybody specific under the bus. I think there's a lot of stuff out there that's just people playing it safe and making music that they think is going to sell or make them successful or whatever. And I, don't really think, you know, there's a lot of stuff with it with a spine or back. I mean, there there is a lot of stuff out there. But I think, I think you know, the most important thing for, you know, songwriter brothers and sisters out there to use to follow their inner voice and to um, not be afraid to be themselves and to be different. You know, I think um, looking back over the decades, you know, there were so, like I was just talking about, there's so many great artists who. Uh, they don't sound anything like each other. You know, Led Zeppelin sounds nothing like Simon and Garfunkel, but to me, they're both incredible. They're both wonderful. They're both equally important artistic voices of our time, you know? And um, there's a lot of, I'm, I'm not saying there's not great music out right now. I'm a huge fan of, you know, the number of, of new artists that I love. The War on Drugs is like pretty much my favorite band in the world right now. And they're, they're incredible, you know? And they have the courage to sound and do what they want to do. And it doesn't sound like anybody else on the radio. It doesn't sound like anybody else. It's really cool. So I'm inspired by stuff like that, you know? Um, anyway, my, that's my two cents. What was it like, or what are your feelings on having an album out in 2020 and you can't support it with what's going on? How, how frustrating is that for you? And is there a plan for next year when things start to open up to tour and really kind of, you know, promote this record the way it should be? Well, of course it's been frustrating and we have weekly meetings with my manager and my booking agent and, you know, there's, there's been more challenges and hurdles this year, obviously than in any of any year in our lifetime. It's, it's an absolute crazy time. I am grateful. I was able to get out and do some drive-in shows. Um, my, my friends in the band, the struck, took us out for a handful of dates and another band called Blackberry Smoke took us out. So we ended up, I think, doing like eight or nine drive-in shows around the country, which were awesome. But eight or nine isn't 180, you know what I mean? So like, yeah, you know, we spent most of this year not on tour and that sucks, but uh, we are hopeful for the next year and the year after and the year after. And of course we have grandiose plans of, of promoting and taking the show on the road and, um, you know, we've been working on our stage show. We, we've done some live stream stuff. We did a live stream the day the album came out. It's on YouTube um, that, that people can watch. But, you know, it was like full full lights and production. And we had fog and, you know, light up cactuses around the stage. And, you know, we've tried, uh, uh, you know, to the best of our ability to move forward and up our own game as best as we can in a year that's, you know, been moot for a lot of people. So we're grateful for any forward movement that we've had. And we really look forward to hopefully much more of it next year. Um, and, you know, we're going to keep doing what we're doing regardless though. So I'm still writing songs. We're all writing songs and, you know, collecting ideas for what will be the next album and, you know, still rehearsing and 
uh, you know, trying to stay tight and get ready for any opportunities that come up and, you know, doing what we can with the live stream stuff. We've got a big live stream coming up on December 11th. Um, and outside of that, man, you know, just trying to enjoy my family and stay positive, try to put one foot in front of the other because, you know, that's really the only option. The live stream is very interesting because it allows bands and musicians to connect with their fans more frequently than they would if they just came to their town, you know, once every nine months, a year, year and a half, whatever. Do you think it's, it's, there's going to be some element of live streams that's going to be here to stay as a way to connect with fans and have that you know, personal relationship with them? Um, yes. Yes, I do. I think that it will stick around to some degree, but I don't know how much. Because uh, there really is no substitute for the for the real for the real thing, um, and you know, I don't know. I've got mixed feelings on the whole thing. I, I I obviously think it's better to be doing them than not to be doing them, but it also feels like it's getting a little bit congested out there now as well, with everybody in the world doing live streams and. Um, you know, I just don't know. I just don't know what the future holds. Maybe it's going to be a part of an artist's arsenal and hopefully not the whole thing very soon because I, I, there, there is no substitution for, for getting on stage and, um, and connecting with people in a, in a real way. I, I think through the screen, it's a little bit colder. And again, in lieu of doing nothing, absolutely, it's great. But um, it's not an ideal thing, I don't think, for any artist. Yeah, I just, you know, the day we, you know, the day and age we live in right now with you have to constantly be in front of your audience. Like you said, it's just another, you know, something, something more in their arsenal and an artist's arsenal to connect with those fans and have that relationship. You know, obviously live music, when you watch the live stream, depending on what, you know, what speakers you have and how your computer sounds, it can either sound really good or it can sound really bad. So there's, there's a lot of, you know, interp- you know, I don't want to say interpretation is not the right word, but there's a lot of room for, for n- not everyone has the same experience, right? So whereas, you know, at a live show, you know, you're seeing someone on stage, you're having pretty much the same experience as the person next to you, depending on how involved they are in the show. So I do think it's going to be around, it's, you know, at some level, like you said, because a, it's you know, it's a way for it to connect with fans, and, and you know, if, if you want to do special shows while you have downtime or whatever, it's a great way to you know stay connected. Because people's attention spans are so short these days that if you're not constantly in front of them, they go on to the next thing. So it's 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 very important to do that. Yeah, that's true. That's I agree with that. You know, I think you just got to feel it out and. There's no instruction manual that's come with the life and time that we're living in, and and we're all just trying to do our best to navigate it and um, reach people, and hopefully, you know, continue to share, you know, the joys of music, which which I would hope are are you know here to stay for forever. So, um, I you know, one thing that's really inspiring is how. I think the world and the industry um, 
to some extent has tried to keep it going. You know, like I was mentioning about the drive-in shows, like I thought that was so cool that someone had that idea to turn old drive-in theaters into a place where you could see live music. I mean, I never would have thought, you know, the last time I was at a drive-in theater, I was probably five years old watching 101 Dalmatians in the back of my parents' truck. You know, I was like, (laughs) uh, I never thought that 25, 30 years later, you know, drive-in movie theaters would be making a return. But it's cool that people have taken the initiative to try something different to continue the experience of music. Now, obviously, in the winter, that's going up a window because it's just too cold. Um, so live streams it is. But thank God we have that technology to, 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 to do that because it's certainly it's not the same, but it's certainly better than doing nothing. What are you going to do with the music that was not on the album, the music that you wrote, you know, during these sessions? You know, is this something that we can expect in 2021? What are your plans for it? Probably not 2021. To be honest, we'll be promoting Sunvia, I would think, uh, through the entire next year. Um, I would imagine in an ideal world that I'm back in the studio in the fall of 2021 cutting album two, which will be released in 2022. And I think that some of the songs that are, are floating around that didn't, again, not that didn't make album one because they weren't good enough, but it just didn't make album one either because they weren't finished or they didn't fit in as well with some of the other songs. Um, I would imagine that some of those songs, yes, will be showing up for album two along with a ton of new ones. Cause I'm, you know, writing every day. I wrote a song list that I think is pretty much the best thing I've ever done. And, you know, so that's will be, I think for sure on album two. And, you know, unless it gets knocked out by the next best thing I think I've done, <laughs> you know, it's like this constant thing, but, uh, you know, I guess that's part of the joy and, and part of the beauty is this, you know, this never ending cycle of creation and release and creation and release. And, you know, I'd like to get into a, into a rhythm where I'm, I'm, hopefully in the studio, you know, at least once a year, um, you know, laying ideas down and, and there's like some kind of nice cycle of albums and, and in even potentially EPs or little, you know, smaller releases that, that bridge the gap between two bigger releases. I'm into that idea. So we'll see, man. Again, there's no instruction manual, but uh, we're just feeling it out as we get there's a lot of ways that you can look at always the option to look at it uh, a positive light or a negative light. We try to stay positive. We try to look at all the lines and, you know, we're excited about what the future will hold. And we, we, like you said, in the intro of this program, we hope to get to the other side uh, intact, you know, sooner than later. Well, I think, you know, with rock and roll, Rock and roll needs that angst, needs that anchor, anger from the youth. And if something good does come out of all this, I'll, there's probably going to be a lot of good that comes out of it. But I do think that rock and roll will see a resurgence, especially in the younger people who've been e-learning and cooped up in their house and are ready to kind of, you know, live their lives again, you know, being young. And I think rock and roll incorporates all those emotions. And I think if there's a, a avenue for a kid to have that release, they'll turn to rock and roll. Love that. <laughs> Would love that. I, you know, I think that, uh, 
obviously I've dedicated my life to the pursuit uh, of rock and roll and you know I'm in roses to be rock and roll I think that there's a lot of that that rock and roll is a pretty wide one genre speaking but the idea of it and the freedom and the attitude of it I've dedicated my life to it so I would love to see rock and roll in all of its many branches uh, make a make a bigger and bolder uh, return to the public mind you know in years to come I think that that would be wonderful because I still think it's the best the best kind of music and the best kind of release and the best outlet like like you said when you're driving in the car you know and you hear a great rock and roll song you know your foot wants to go down on the pedal that's that's to me that's what it's all about you know well Nick it's been a blast thank you very much for doing this I do appreciate it um, love the album the album is Sun Via you can check it out I do suggest you go to all the streaming services download it buy the album wherever you can on the website and uh, you will enjoy it. It's one of the best records for 2020. Oh, man, I really appreciate that. Thank you. And thank you for the time to uh, enjoy it and have spoken to you, and I appreciate that you are sharing it with people, and I appreciate the support we all do. And I hope we can see you in person on the road at a real rock and roll show Yes. Uh, next year. Yes, look forward to it, definitely. Well, thanks again, Nick. Everybody, that's Nick Perry. I'm Jay Scott. This is the Hook Rocks, the Ultimate Rock Community Podcast. Stay safe, stay healthy, and we will talk again soon. Thank you very much. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. 